It's episode 159 of the podcast, The Cool Kids Are Calling Improv London. And this week's guest is Ferran Luengo. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Hey, hello. Hello, Stuart. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you. Thank you for being here. How has 2020 been for you? We're uh, rushing to the end of it as we record. Well, well, uh, <laughs> do I really need to answer that? Because <laughs> it's going to be very repetitive if you ask uh, everybody this question. Well, uh, well, for me, 2020, it's, uh, it's like a turnaround moment in my life because I'm now living here in London. Uh, my wife and I came from Spain uh, gradually because I got stuck in Spain and my wife being in London, I'm in Spain. I was in Spain because the borders were closed. We have to wait until the summer, until the, well, you know, you know. Yes. <laughs> Big change under difficult conditions. But now I'm here, finally, yeah, yeah. and I'm not moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it must be must be strange because it's it's not the London. Well, it is the London, but it's not the London that you were expecting. No, no. For me now, it's this little bubble, which is Camden Town. I rarely leave Camden Town because uh, I try to avoid uh, taking. Uh, public transport and etc. So, I would like you to tell me about playback theatre. What's what's playback theatre? Um, what's what's your what does it mean to you? Because obviously we can look up definitions online. But okay, playback theatre. I guess you can summarize in it. Uh, it's like a combination between experimental theatre drama therapy, storytelling, and of course, improv theater. And it's a kind of applied theater of or applied improv in which uh, we take stories from the audience and we reenact them using improv and also music. Music is a very important part of playback theater. So yeah, let's let's explore the music. How does music work in playback theatre? Well, uh, there's uh, there's there's a conductor, there's the actors, and there's the musician. But actually, the musician is one of us. Is one of the actors because the musician is also improvising. And according uh, what uh, kind of emotion the story raises in, into the musician he can set the tone or she can set the tone of the improvisation. And we, as improvisers, can ha we, we have to carry that tone of the, of the scene. And there's quite, there's quite a formalized structure for, the, for a playback theater, is that right? You have sort of certain amount of people and they sit in certain places and they do certain things, is that right? Yes, yes, there's like a, there's many elements. We have two chairs, one from the conductor and one for the teller, uh, which is the person who comes from the audience to tell the, that 
by the way, it's normally more than three or four people every every session. And there's a church for the for the cast and uh, another place designated for the for the musician and also a rack with props and fabrics normally fabrics uh, depending on the of the troupe uh, they carry more or less tr- uh, uh, props but yeah it's one of the ingredients of playback theater can you talk me through the process of getting somebody from the audience to share their story and then and then how is it played back well it depends of this uh, precisely yesterday we have a conversation about that with other playbackers and it's the, it's a, it's delicate it depends because uh, normally you you use playback theater with communities and uh, certain uh, environments I mean, you can do playback theater for like, let's say, mainstream audience, and it works as, as well. But you have to be very respectful. You have to build, and that's a responsibility that uh, has to carry the the conductor. Has to uh, to set a, has to frame the session. Has to create a very safe environment and trustful environment for the for the audience. We use warm up games with the audience. Uh, normally, sociometric. The, if if you don't know uh, what sociometric exercises are, is something that uh, uh, curiously has been very popular. Popular in online improv is the, the kind of exercise of uh, turn off the camera if, and yeah, we assess the audience during these sociometrics. Like, how are you? Raise your hands. Is your feeling good? Or like, make the arms like a dial. Like, if you're feeling great, put the the, the arm uh, up. If you're feeling so-so in the middle and if you're feeling that and yeah we assess and of course uh, there's nothing that offers more trust to the audience if is having the conductor and the cast first open and sharing something personal to set the okay this is a space for sharing this is a safe space we are not afraid of sharing, and we are going to treat with respect wherever you have to share with us. What, what's the benefit of using the social metrics? What do you get from that? Uh, assessment for from the audience, and the audience get to know each other as well. Of course, it's not like a, a, a knowledge the one on one basis for the audience. But there's like a group assessment. Right. So, so, so you're kind of building group cohesion um, yeah. within, within the room and building sort of trust. Yes. And then what's the next step? Well, I'm just going to go straight of how I do it when I conduct. And uh, for example, we, uh, I, when I go up to the States, say, hello, welcome. Uh, uh, my name is Ferran, and feel I, I want you to 
to know me. So go ahead and ask me whatever you you want. You can get more personal. Of well, course, in a, in an improv uh, setting, uh, some people might say, uh, "When was the last time you cut your hair?" Something like that, and then. I could answer that and then go ahead, uh, ask me some some questions and maybe uh, at certain point somebody can go deeper. Like for example, what's your re relationship with your parents? And that's a question that's kind of personal and then I can answer it and then I answer that question and then the cast enters and answers that question as well. Oh, that's, that's a good question. Yeah, and then we ask uh, to the to the audience. Anybody is feeling like asking, like answering this this question, and um, usually they do. And then we play back that answer, you know, in like a fluid sculpture on a uh, a short form. Another uh, way of uh, structuring it is you have short forms, intermediate forms, and long forms. Short forms are for for playing back like uh, emotions or like how somebody is feeling in the moment. Intermediate um, forms are for like uh, nothing, like anecdotes. Or uh, when somebody is conflicted by something, we can use that intermediate and long forms. Uh, it will be the stories that like are more substantial. Just to, to say uh, when and that's that's the the stories that we that's a form that we use when the the some somebody comes to the stage, sits with us, and tells a story. Well, that's brilliant. Yeah. So you have the three different types. So yeah, talk me through some examples of the different things you might do for the different styles. So you've got the, the, the very, those very short form ones. What, what might you do with that? Well, the short forms are uh, usually the, the most popular is the, the fluid, the fluid the sculptor. It's like... Uh, uh, too bad to explain it to, to a podcast because it's very visual. <laughs> <laughs> we, we normally, we use, we start with the movement. Uh, and then we use a word referring to that feeling, then a phrase, then the word, then the movement, and until all fades. That's interesting. So... Can you give can you give an example of something that someone might say, and then how you would interpret it through? Yeah. That? Okay. Uh, I could say, um, Stuart, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling energized. Energized. So I will start with the movement, like I'm doing the usual uh, for the people listening. I'm doing like the strong <laughs> yeah, pose yeah, yeah. now I, I repeat the movement then i introduce a word like um, a, a sound like ah 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 
Ah, then I can introduce words. I'm going to eat the wall. I'm going to eat the wall. I'm going to eat the wall. And then, ah, back to the sound. Ah. Then only the movement, and then I freeze. Wow. And that's a, a very short form. I love all that sort of stuff. And I've... of and of course, uh, we use it. Uh, it's all the cast together. And so you're you're all mirroring each other. No, because my version of energetic might differ from other cast member version of the the sculptor. But there's always contact. We always. Uh, um, look for that there's like uh, different levels oh yeah and yeah. we are all in contact we look for the aesthetic and balance in these fluid sculptures that sounds i mean i love all that yeah. sort of stuff i love group movement the use of kind of words coming in and out um i find all that sort of stuff really powerful to watch and i think uh fluid sculptures could be like a cool game to do between Harold beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that, that, that's the kind of um, the sort of a, the short form. And then you've got the intermediate. Can you give me an example of something you might play at the intermediate level? Yeah, uh, for example, for treating like um, inner conflicts. That's where we have to make a decision. We have to to deal with both sides. That's when we use pairs. Um, we separate the cast into the cast into pairs. We can make one pair doing just one side of the coin and just going round back to back. And whenever the the actor faces the audience, just say, says one side of the of the conflict, and then the other does the other thing, the 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 opposite uh, side of the conflict. Or we can uh, we can have another pair doing like uh, rational and emotional, like one is telling all the 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 facts it's very like a news anchor like exposing the facts of both decisions and the other exposing exposing the emotions like taking it to the top and wow. sad yeah that sounds amazing and would you ask a member of the audience for is it asking them for a dilemma or something they're torn about or no, that's um, you can do it as a conductor. Of course, you can you can ask uh, to somebody. Um, does anybody has uh, uh, a conflict? But no. But usually, what uh, playback theater conductors does are they listen to the story and then they decide which kind of form could work with that story. Right. Okay, that and makes sense when and then the conductor can look into the act and say okay in pairs let's watch 
That's brilliant. And so, and then we've got the, the longer form. Can you talk, give me an example of that? Well, the long form is basically uh, like we, we play with the story. Like we, and the thing is uh, playing with symbolism, especially, especially when the stories are very harsh, like uh, domestic violence, sexual abuse, terminal illness, uh, you know. So we have to reenact the story in a way that we are not harmful for the teller. Because uh, playback theater done poorly, you can be harmful. You can, so we, you, you, we can use um, poetry, we can use point of view, like narrate the story uh, being an element uh, that's that it's in the story but it's not uh, precisely like the um, the point of view of the of the teller mm -hmm. for example I once uh, did a story from the point of view of a doc of the doc because the teller mentioned that she had a doc and then you can do you can do point of view. You can do um, um, analogy, like tell the story, applying it uh, like a uh, the um, fairy tale analogy, like telling it like a fairy tale, oh, wow. and yeah, and you can introduce song, and depending of the company, there are. Playback theater practitioners that are also introduces like psychodrama techniques, like the doubles or the empty chair, where the actor that portrays the um, the teller has an empty chair and has like um, conversation with somebody invisible in the chair, but it, it's. It's not easy to <laughs> to master that that technique. I tend to uh, stay away from psychodrama uh, techniques in playback theater because I'm not trained in psychodrama. Maybe mm. some someday, but not, not today. Yeah. And I realize it's unfair because you've just said you're not trained in it. But psychodrama is that where we're using drama as therapy? Yes, yes, it's 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 used in, in therapy. And uh, sorry, I cannot stress not uh, this enough. Playback theater is not therapy. It's not therapy. It doesn't seek to heal. Although um, it's th therapeutic yeah. in a way that uh, you. You have a story, and you tell it. Uh, you you tell the story in a playback theater session, and you see a beautiful reenactment that makes you feel good. Yes, it's therapeutic um, in that way. But we are not therapy. As playback theater actors, we cannot uh, uh, devise uh, over the story. We we cannot create solutions. We are just channels to show the story in a different way.
an artistic way. So when you're getting, when you're the conductor and you're trying to um, get a story that you can play back, what do you ask for? Do you, is that, can you steer the person in the right sort of direction? Yes. Is there a right sort of direction? That's, yeah, that's the, the most difficult part. Like when you, when you, when you ask uh, who wants to tell a story and there's this crickets <laughs> all over the place uh, because there are people that like um, that there are always, I, I want to tell, but I don't know. I want to tell, and I don't know. Uh, a good advice if, uh, for, that, I, that I have is always have children in, in the audience because they just raise their hand to me, 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 I have a story. Then you, you bring the children into the stage and then they, <laughs> they tell like a very innocent story that I like to play football and the other day I won. And we, we do like a cheerful story about that. And then when, when the kid goes back to the audience, then you have the trump card to, of, of saying, who is braver than, than a kid and <laughs> 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 to tell a story. <laughs> so, yeah, it's but no, um, normally, well, yeah, I, when I conduct, I like to be like, I walk between the, the audience, try to look this, uh, there's always somebody that has the you can see in the eyes that i might tell but i need a little help <laughs> mm. so yeah it, there's always stories i mean yeah and it's those people that actually i would want to tell the story it's a bit like when you're doing an improv show it's like you have some people who are just like very front footed in the audience and they're ready to give their suggestions and everything and it's like well that's fine but actually your story might not be the most interesting one to tell and it's how do you encourage those people who may be a little, little bit less mm. front-footed to share yeah it's it's interesting because uh, there's a lot one of the values of playback theater is that uh, all we all have stories that deserve to be told and there's a lot of people that they think that their stories are are worthless and, th and that's not true we all have uh, stories that deserve to be told yes 100 percent. and um it's very easy to underestimate how interesting your own story is because you know it and you know, hearing other people's stories is a really fundamental way of connecting with people and yeah it can be really emotional you you mentioned you have uh, props and, and fabrics did you say yes especially fabrics how, how does that props, work yeah uh well uh colors has uh, have emotions tied to that colors so whenever there's uh, um violence we can take like a red fabric whenever this uh w when we want to set a calm 
environment we can use like blue fabric or or we just use the fabrics like ties when when if in the story we we are trying to represent some someone that has like limitation or it's tied we just we tie literally that person like to symbolize that uh, constraints that that person might might have yeah there's actually a lot of uses that you can find the puppets of course we, you, we can we can do puppets to to symbolize uh, like another characters in the story or inner voices or to personify emotions yeah there's a lot of stuff that you can do with fabrics on on stage yeah i'm really I'm really excited by the the possibility of the use of symbolism, and you know, I that's something that I think improv could learn from playback theatre is definitely, definitely, and it's not easy. Uh, sometimes when I try to uh, to bring somebody so, something from playback to improv, I find it so difficult. And uh, and I and I'm the biggest uh, self saboteur about that because uh, I, I'm not going to to because I say to myself oh, I, I'll I could say a, a poetry or like a haiku but I'm not going to do it because no this it, it could be like a, a little bit disrupting in the tone. But yeah, definitely, uh, and you could do uh, playback theater stuff, uh, especially the the motion stuff. I bring a lot of motion when I'm in improv because of playback theater, and I'm a slow burner, so I'm always too deep. Sometimes too deep in emotions. I get too dramatic sometimes, and <laughs> yeah. And that's something I, uh, sometimes I like, I'd like to shake. I don't think you can ever be too dramatic. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's my preference for style, uh, for playing style. Yeah, yeah, no, no, me too. I'm, I love long form dramatic improv. Yes, yes, I, I agree. Um, so, so yeah, let's 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 trace your journey. So, you started you started with playback theatre and then discovered no. improv afterwards. Or no, 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 tell, no. Tell me the tale. Tell me the tale. The tale. Well, it began in the year. That, well, and actually, I started doing theatre in the year two thousand, uh, and in college, I discovered theatre in college. I joined the. Uh, college uh, troupe and through college uh, uh, theater I got to improv I remember my first uh, improv workshop was in 2006 and it was by uh, it was an intensive uh, throw by a lady called uh, Veronique Jolie she was French. He was the the president of the French Improv League in Paris, and she, because she was friends with uh, with uh, Sergi Claramunt, who was is the director of uh, um, 
Payaso Hospital, which is the hospital clowns in Valencia. And he was one of the last students that Jack Lecoq had. Uh, and also Veronique Jolie was also a Jack Lecoq student. And he invited to do intensive and we do an improv intensive. And I thought, wow, that, 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 that is cool. But, and, and after that, I didn't get much into improv because I kept doing a lot of stage acting and, and I was like chaining production after production. And, but yeah, for, uh, I, um, we didn't have much uh, resources, improv resources. So, but sometimes we get together uh, a group of friends to try improv things, but we didn't have like proper training. We had books, truth in comedy. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I didn't jump properly into improv and until 2012. I think it's really interesting when you've got groups who are isolated and yeah, maybe they've got truth in comedy and maybe they've got, you know, Keith Johnson's impro and then Hmm. the way in which sometimes the way they interpret the stuff that's in books is just radically different from the way in which other people has interpreted. It's not necessarily right or wrong. It's just like, oh, that's what we thought it was from the description that we read. And then when you meet other improvisers, it's like, oh, you have other ideas. Yeah. And we have no idea wh- who is this Harold he- they are talking about. And <laughs> yeah, because in, in Spain, uh, now the things now are changing because of this globalization of improv that has been... But uh, Spain has always been, improv in Spain has always been like um, tending to short form games uh, and stuff. And it wasn't an, until I, an improv league is very popular, especially in Valencia, in, in Valencia area where I'm from, we have like four improv leagues, like can, Canadian style that's like uh comparing scenes not not games and i i spent six years also doing improv league so so explain to is that like theater sports yeah theater sports like uh, there's mm-hmm. two teams then we have uh the referee says the category, the category, uh, the title. There's like thirty seconds of coaching of the teams, and then we, depending of if the if the impro if the improvisation is compared or or mixed, then we we see one scene and then another scene or one scene with players of the both teams and then the audience decides who gets the point. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and I got to play back theater. Yeah, improv took me to play back theater because uh, I studied um, a postgraduate. I was studying a postgraduate in theater in, in education. 
And that's where I discovered playback theater. And the director of the postgraduate, um, Tomas Motos, who is a very important person about theater in, in, in education, not only in Spain, but in he came, he came to me and said, ah, I've heard that you've done, you, you are an improviser. Uh, do you want to join us and do playback theater? And for me, to be honest, the first, when I heard this, oh, okay, another stage gig. <laughs> cool, more stage time. But then I got to discover playback theater properly and all that can do as a theater for social change. And I got hooked. I'm really interested in the idea of theater for social change, whether that's playback theater, whether that's improv or theater. <laughs> theater. theater. Uh, there are a lot of uh, theaters for social change. Uh, you have the form theater, yes, uh, one of the forms of theater of the oppress of Augusto Boal. You have uh, collective creation in order to to show, to raise awareness about a topic through theater. There's a lot. Uh, there's uh, journalist theater, invisible theater. There's a lot of theater, uh, applied theater. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really exciting. I think my main experiences have been more similar to I think playback theater is when um, you get a story from the audience and then you reflect that story back um, to the audience. Um, mm -hmm. You know whether that's you know acting it out or whether that's in musical form or something like that. Um, there's something really lovely about seeing your story performed on stage and you don't, it's not that it gives you solutions because if you said that, that's not how it works, but there's something really powerful about being able to stand outside your own life and see it as an observer from the outside. Um, whenever I've experienced that, it's always been very emotionally powerful. Hmm. Yes, indeed. I've um, I've seen I've seen uh, improv groups that they are not doing um, playback theater per se, but they got this idea of, uh, for example, Dream Weaver Quartet. They uh, they they pick the dreams. And they made, it's all made up. It's not based on the pure experience. Uh, but yeah, it's cool to see that. So when, when I saw uh, a show of Dreamweaver Quartet, uh, uh, I think it was like a couple of years ago. And I, I thought, wow, that looks kind of like playback theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, but the difference being in playback theatre, you don't invent anything? No. Whereas no. if okay. you're in Dreamweaver Quartet. Yeah, and I'm quite, uh, well, you can 
sometimes we invent something and most of the times it's okay that the teller is happy with with that but for example uh, we cannot use like a popular song introduce or start singing a popular song because we don't know what triggers can have <laughs> this song with the teller Maybe somebody that had a harsh breakup, breakup, and this song reminds reminds him or her to to that relationship. I don't know. So normally, are we made up songs or melodies or poems because uh, you never know what can be triggering for a teller. And the main priority is to take care of the teller and respect the story, especially respect the story, because sometimes the amount of courage that takes for those tellers to tell the story is uh, astounding. Yeah. Yes, it's really interesting the balance between honoring the story and telling the story truthfully, truthfully. Mm -hmm but not re-traumatizing the person that shared their story. Yeah. And one of the things uh, that we also have is when we and the reenact, the conductor tells the teller, uh, especially if, if, the, if the conductor sees that the teller puts like a weird face, yeah, if there's somebody, if, something that you didn't feel like it's your story and if the teller said yeah actually that part didn't went that way it's okay because we can do a do-over that's really that's really amazing would you like to see again this part and the tellers might say yes and we go to that point and we reenact the the story once more in a way that the teller might feel better about it yeah that sounds that sounds amazing so the motto is nobody leaves the chair unhappy <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is a great motto that um yeah. Could be adopted more widely, certainly. Um, so you got involved in playback theatre. Um, what happened then? Well, it was that was in two thousand and thirteen, and yeah, I I kept going. I then after that postgraduate, I completed with a play theatre master degree, which my final paper was, of course, of. <laughs> Uh, playback theater and I started uh, going to gatherings national and international so I went to the um, Asia Pacific playback theater conference in Japan 2017 yeah and I've learned a lot and I've learned that you can do playback just uh with people, you can be in a cast with people talking um, Mandarin, Japanese, or whatever you, we can get along and reenact a story. Because that's that's one of the advantage 
of reenacting a story in playback theater because the audience already knows the 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 story so whatever you do the audience is going to tie the knots in the head yeah, yeah, yeah. and give uh their interpretation of it so and, and it's cool to use um foreign language or on a scene yeah cool um and then what happened what happened next oh yes sorry i i keep uh, no, getting brilliant. off track no it's pretty all these diversions are, are really juicy and interesting so uh, i just feel that like we've followed mm. the story so far we need to follow it to the end well uh yeah i kept going with my doing playback theater in valencia until right after the pandemic we have this project that uh, was called my town where we go to little towns and we reenact the stories for the neighbors it's local stories like and that yeah that's another good use for playback theater to type com communities or like uh, share go to a little town and make all the neighbors share stories and yeah and then the pandemic happened and uh, nothing much <laughs> yeah i'm now uh, rehearsing with True Heart Theatre, which is a group from from here, from London, uh, online, of course, and yeah, and trying. Uh, I kept doing online playback theatre with uh, my fellow uh, Spanish and Portuguese playbackers that we have like um, a team for. Um, that we do for online festivals, uh, playback theater gatherings, and, and and such, and yeah. And you're also involved with uh, ISL. Tell me what ISL is. ISL, yes, ISL is a wonderful uh, project that started uh, uh, Claudia Novati started in 2018 for fo focus for people that uh, uh, that English is not the first language and and, I, and now she and Marie de Bal I, I I'd say are the two heads that are leading this project where um, they gather people who are in the same situation uh, people who are not English speakers that are improvisers and yeah, we get together and improvise in English curiously, except for the open sessions where we use our native languages and it's very fun. And for me, uh, it's been, yeah, a beacon since I came to London because it's a very, very good group, very talented improvisers. I'm very happy to be involved in it. Another affiliation that I have is uh, because I have a two prof. I haven't mentioned uh, with uh, Isaac Simon. It's American 
living in. And it's a funny story because we discovered, uh, we met at Improv Utopia 2018 in Ireland, and we, disto- we discovered that we have born with uh, the same heart condition. We have a heart condition uh, that is called Tetralogy of Follow. That basically we have like, we are born with a heart, with a with a hole in the heart that makes that the blood doesn't go in the right direction. And, uh, and so we have a patch to correct it. And, and we made a, uh, and when we found out about the, that we have the same condition, uh, we have to do something about it. We have to do a duo, which is called, of course, Duology of Follow. And we have this show uh, that is called Regular Heartbeat. And since we have a patch in our heart, the inspiration for the for our show is we ask the our, the audience what patches they have to cover holes in their hearts wow yeah that's really interesting yeah and also i uh, i i uh, i'm very Dramatic, Isaac is very wacky. He lifts me up, I bring him down. <laughs> that sounds a great. That sounds a great combination. Yeah. So, if someone were to step on stage with you, what could they do to delight you? Oh, make me think. You can or make me sing because I love to sing. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Or give me a bump. A bump? A bump. Um, like a, a bump, like something bold, like uh, I don't love you anymore or like a bump. Because yeah. as I said, I love drama. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, big final question, big final question. Um, what's your signature move? What's the thing you do that saves the day, brings down the house, has everyone going? Classic Luengo. Well, actually, yeah, in, in Valencia, the classic Luengo is uh, whenever there's going to, or there's have to be song in a scene, they look at me and they, <laughs> and they say, go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. Because, yeah, I'll... I I like to made up wacky songs in in the scene, yeah. But I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I have like a clear signature move that I always do, especially to save the day because I'm not savior for anyone. But <laughs> yeah. Um. Fair enough. Fair enough. Often people go, "Oh, I don't have a signature move," and then they and then they think of one. But um, hmm. uh, uh, bursting into song, I think, is a, is a is a fantastic signature move, and it's nice when you've got people around you just to like, "Yeah, he's got this. Let him deal with this." You know, <laughs> yeah. it's his chance to shine. 
Well, that's fantastic. Um, the only final thing I have to say is thank you for being a guest on the Improv London podcast. No, thank you for having me. You know that uh, when uh, in Spain we didn't have much, but uh, one of my ways to expand my improv knowledge was listening to your podcast. And now I'm here and I'm, I'm fanboying. I'm a starstruck. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you very much. Um, uh, yeah. a, I really appreciate your support and for being a guest today. I made this. That's improv! <laughs>